Welcome to the Good Hard Story Podcast, where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the exact same story. I'm Catherine Wolf, and I'm a stroke survivor, a speaker, an author, and co-founder of Hope Heals. Tune in here every week for conversations about wholeheartedly living in a good hard story. Join me in this joyful rebellion to the darkness where we discover the treasures hidden in our hurting. Friends, what a blessing it is for me to have you listen in on this conversation with the amazing Jess Connolly. Jess is a writer, a speaker, a true preacher. Whoa, she is a tremendous human being. And I'm just so honored to call her my friend above all. She inspires me. She and her entire family have been a part of our Hope Hills camp, where she has been an incredible pastor to campers, pastor to volunteers, deeply ministered to so many weary, weary souls. And it is just an honor to sit down with her today and to let you in on our conversation. I am so excited that Jess Conley is with me today. Oh my goodness. Hi, Jess. Thank you for coming. Hi, my friend. I'm so happy to spend any time with you I can in the whole world. Oh, well, it is a deep gift to me. And this podcast called The Good Hard Story is recognizing that we have good and hard in the very same story. It's called Our Lives on Earth. And I think you know that and live that. And you are someone who I want to talk to about the reality that nothing in life is one note. And we are all living a good, Mm. hard life. So I want to start there and ask you out of the gate, if it's okay, what is good in your life right now? What is hard in your life right now? And how do you live well with both of those realities at the very same time. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, what's good in my life? I'll start with the positive. What's good in my life right now is marriage is good. Marriage is good. I feel like we've been married about as long as you guys have. I'm trying to remember. What year did you guys get married? 2004. What about y'all? Okay, so we're one year later. So we're 2005. So I feel like we've hit an interesting and really life-giving stride where it's taking a lot less effort to be on each other's team and we're a lot more patient with each other. So marriage feels good right now. I, You know this about me. I'm a runner. I'm in a really interesting running season where I've been on a little bit of a running streak, seeing how many days I can run in a row. And that's been kind of a mental health prescription I gave myself to just have some time to check in with myself every day. And that's been really good. What is hard right now, what's particularly hard about this week is I have an intense fear of the dentist, and tomorrow I'm going to have my third root canal in a year. And some people, that is laughable, and for people who are scared of the dentist, they are mourning with me right now. 
when I got the proclamation that I had to have another root canal, I I curled up in a ball in the dentist chair and just started crying. And um, so that's like a kind of funny thing, but it, that feels really hard right now. And I would say parenting teens feels really hard for me right now. I'd, I like if I I'm looking around at everyone else parenting teens and thinking like, how are you living? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think so much about the fact I really think you said to me recently, maybe it was a couple of years ago, that you had four children in four different schools. And I was just beyond yes. like in shock. I just can't wrap my mind around that reality, Jess, that you live four different <laughs> children, four different schools at the same time. How, how is that right? I, last year I had four in four schools. This year I have four in three schools. Okay. That's and so much better. Next year I think yeah, it's really the 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 different schools is crazy and I don't know if I don't know I cuz you guys have one school. Both your boys are at one school, yes, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's the, the hard <laughs> of our life. Carpool situation alone is really 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 interesting. Yeah. And um Nick and I are each in the car about an hour and a half a day. Like there's no getting around it. And um and that's where we do a lot of parenting right now and it just it is what it is. Right. And that is true that actually the car time yeah. is this valuable parenting time that sometimes it feels yeah. like all you get is the car time. So I'm trying it's to real. keep that in mind um, because it's heinous, I'll be honest. Yep. And yes, <laughs> it, it is. And yet what what a gift if we have eyes to see yeah. it that way. It just doesn't always yeah. feel like a gift. Listen, speaking yeah. of all of that, I'm just a little bit in awe of you. I mean, you are so approachable and real, but I have to admit it, like, I am super intimidated. Like, your hair alone is, like, from a different planet. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, your hair is pretty phenomenal, but the fact you have four children... Um, you have this incredible, thriving coaching business. You are this tremendous podcaster. You've written, what, eight, ten books? I mean, you're like, you're a speaker. You are a pastor's wife, which in and of itself is tremendous, tremendous work. I mean, I don't know how you have enough hours in the day to do your life. You're amazing, Jess. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I'm in awe. I'm like, truly, mm. you live out your books, the titles. You are the girl for the job. You are wild and free. You are clearly dancing, standing, running, all the things. You are, I mean, deeply inspiring. You're so encouraging. Well, if it's any, um, you know, if it's any like peek behind the curtain, first of all, I'm deeply inspired by you and obsessed with you. Oh, whatever. And every time I see you, I want to just crawl into your skin and live in your house because that's how you make me feel. But, yeah, right. Um, yeah, if it's any kind of peek behind the curtain, I don't think I'm technically allowed to share this, but I'm saying it anyways, that my, my next 
tight that my next book title does have the word tired in it. Good. <laughs> so, I yes, I hope it I wanna, does, Jess. I be honest about that. Right, a hundred percent. And we all need that. We need your work yeah. on being tired. But actually, I really am interested in your most recent book, Breaking Free from Body Shame, which if you haven't read it, world, you need to read Breaking Free from Body Shame. It is glorious. Mm. And the author of the foreword for the book um, is also um, someone you might be interested in hearing from, yours truly. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We actually were able to give that book as a resource to our campers yeah. at our camp this summer, which was just so powerful because obviously the body shame conversation is much broader than simply weight. Yeah. It's about the way we see yeah. our broken bodies, our disabled bodies, our bodies that can seem quite incapable and, you know, quote unquote, messed up and just about reframing that. Jess, I would love to hear you just speak a moment about kind of if someone out there doesn't know of your tremendous freeing work in the body shame arena, would you share with us just a moment of it? It's glorious. Oh, you're so kind. Well, it's interesting. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, Catherine. But yeah, first of all, when I wrote the book, I wrote the book all the whole time knowing that I really wanted you to write the foreword because you have lived this message so well. And um, but when I wrote the book, I had no plan to use the phrase body shame in the title. And actually, the the phrase body shame was in the book very little. Um, in my mind, when I was writing the book, it was called Your Body is Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came time to publish the book, my publisher said, um, hey, here this is devastating, but this is what's true, is that women won't even put their hand on a book that says your body is good because they so don't relate to that message. So instead, we need to, we need to talk about body shame. Um, and so that was a that was devastating. Yeah. But that was an interesting pivot for me because I, um, while I've struggled with like aesthetic body image, body shame, um, the book is really about what happens when we as human face the brokenness of our bodies and what does God have to say about that? Mm. Um, And so it's not just for those of us to struggle with um, insecurity about our appearance, but about this devastating reality that while we live under the effects of a fallen world, we, our bodies are going to be broken. They're going to groan. They're going to be in pain. Um, and how, how do we reconcile that with a good father? And how do we live in a way that makes space for that, but also kind of comes into agreement with what's happening in the kingdom? So all that being said, my story, um, my story with body image and body shame really, it did start with some aesthetic things. I always just felt really other growing up. I was, I always, when it's, it, I, a lot of women say this, I think, but when I look back at pictures of myself as a kid, I in my mind, I look like just a normal kid. Um, and I have so much compassion for the pictures I see of myself. But when I was experiencing it as a child, I felt so other. Um, I felt like there was something just really intrinsically wrong with me. And I felt like that for my whole life. I felt really messy. I felt too big. I felt too much. Um, 
And then I began engaging in disordered eating behaviors and tactics in my early 20s and lived just in a lot of bondage and a lot of heaviness there. Um, And then it wasn't until my late 20s that I was starting to step into leadership, starting to write books and starting to coach women and teach the Bible. And I looked around at all these areas of freedom in my life and I thought, why is my body the one place where I I don't experience God. And why is this the one place where God isn't allowed to encourage me? Or why is this the one place in my life that I don't have a kingdom perspective? Um, And so I went on just a long journey of trying to figure out what God says about my body, what he thinks about my body, and how that actually impacts the way I live. Wow, that's so powerful. And you live it out. You truly do. I'm honored to be um, the forward rider for that glorious proclamation. You know, I I see my body as different than I used to. I pray. I mean, some days, some days. I see it as the only thing I've got for the rest of my life to to show up in this story. And that has been a powerful reframing for me is to see my body as the only interface I'm ever going to have with existence itself. And I know that's weird and deep, but like it's Mm -mm. the miracle of being here is crazy. And for me, who should have died and had this crazy near-death part of my story, I think it's meant being disabled has become, like, just not nearly as big of a deal as, you know what, Mm -hmm. this may may be broken down, but it's here. And it's it's messed up, but it's here. And it's good. It's good that it's here. And I... um. I kind of love overlaying the like weight conversation with disability conversation because it's really just a fascinating yeah. study of how we view imperfection and it's just yes. it's very rich. So I I'm just still honored yeah. to this day that you would see me worthy to write the foreword of that book. There was nobody else who could have done it. Oh, well, it it truly means a lot to me. Speaking of that, as you can tell by me even feeling unworthy to be the author of the foreword, I deal with insecurity. I'll be honest. I deal with a lack of confidence and I second guess myself and I people please and really all the things. I'm just, you know, one pretty messed up, recovering, people-pleasing Southern woman. And I just don't see that in you. You have such a mm. deep confidence. And I'm I'm in awe of your ability to, I don't know, just not totally care what people think and... I'm not I'm not sure exactly what it is other than Jesus that's really um how can I put it like for me I can know a lot of things in my head you know I can know mm-hmm. that I am a worthy child of God and yet somehow that transfer to the heart gets very complicated and yeah. you you seem to have, have mastered a bit of that complication and I just want to know <laughs> if you can give me any tips and listener any tips of how to do that 
You are so kind, first of all. That is very that is very gracious, and I receive those words. Okay, so also, I, I tell this story a lot, and I think it's honestly the, the truest answer I have for this. Um, I grew up with a sister who was three years older than me, who was, from all perspectives, very perfect and she yeah. just is um well, she just you, is ha- she's, haven't you written about her she's like snow white except yes. more pure and more beautiful <laughs> yeah yes i i call her snow white plus jesus right um she's beautiful she was a literal model when i was growing up she's got seven kids she's a fantastic mother she has her literally next week we're celebrating um the cover reveal of a magazine that her house was on the cover. Like she's an incredible interior designer. She runs a small business that's out of this world, a, a really a nonprofit. She's a pastor. She's um, she went to grad school while she was nursing her first baby and growing up with her <laughs> yeah. before I became a believer, I just, um, I, I just lived in this like kind of shadow of like, I'll, I'll never be that. I'll never, I'm not funny. I'm not right. sweet. I'm right. not, I'm not beautiful. I'm not 10 feet tall. Um, and and so I just I just kind of like lived into that brokenness. And I always told people if they had met me before I knew Jesus, they they would not recognize me. I was a wallflower. I did not speak. I did not um, draw any attention to myself. I just I really just wanted to be left alone. Right. Yeah. And after I met Jesus really quickly, I felt like I had a decision to make and I realized I can live kind of a few feet away from her the rest of my life, just like an angry troll mad that she's great. Or I can be her biggest encourager and her biggest cheerleader. And um, God used my relationship with her really, I, I feel like, and used my early childhood to help me kind of like crash this even like not not even the desire to be seen as the best, but even like the capacity. Like I just never have felt like anyone was going to think I was the kindest or the funniest or the best. And because it it felt like it wasn't even a possibility, I felt like I could just show up and and be who I was. Yeah. Um. So I will say my relationship with her helped me a ton. But um, on top of that. I will say I I do still often feel insecure and I do often feel like I don't belong in spaces. But the biggest thing the Lord has taught me probably through my struggle with body image is that I often have to act free to feel free. Right. So I've got to show up and be about other people. I've got to show up and take up space. I've got to show up and use my voice. I've got to show up and make mistakes to actually feel like I'm able to. For sure. Um, But so... I'm not saying I'm faking it if you see me looking confident, but I am saying I'm I'm trying to act free to feel free sometimes. Oh, for sure. There's so much to fake it until you make it because you make it after you fake it. You keep preaching to your own heart. 100%. It's biblical, Psalm 42, 5. We live it. We Come on. We really tell our soul, like, this is what we're doing. You're going to get back on board. You know, I read in a book years ago, maybe it was The Meaning of Marriage, Tim Keller, um, that the Nazis did not hate the Jews initially. They acted Mm. in hate and began to despise them one day. They got there. Wow. And and that in our marriages and in our lives, the opposite can be true. That when we act in love, 
we will eventually feel love or whatever it is. So you, good. It's so true. You, They say you hug it till you love it. Kind of force yourself to do it, do the thing, and then eventually you end up where you would never leave the thing. And that's so much yeah. of our lives is stay and stay and stay. And then one day you can't imagine leaving. I think that's... Um, that, that's our marriages for sure. <laughs> that's our yep. lives. That's 100%. life Jesus. Um, I would love to know what is next. I mean, you are prolific mm. and no doubt you have 10 things in the works. I don't even know what you can talk about. But things like you are the girl for the job should read you are the boss of the job and not just lady boss the boss i'm not going to pretend that you're um lady boss you are you are the the ceo <laughs> boss a hundred percent and i'm just excited to think of what could the future be here with jess i mean i imagine you've got some really uh. good books in you some really good powerful thinking really just a new Every day, freedom in Jesus that you're running towards. It's glorious. I'll tell you, June 2021, we, we put out Breaking Free from Body Shame. And like two weeks later, I, I got to see you at Hope Hills Camp. Yeah. And we got to be together. And it was yeah. so good. Oh, it was. And... I, um, so I, I wrote Breaking Free from Body Shame. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm getting to your, the answer, but it's going to take me a second to get there. Sure. I wrote sure. Breaking Free from Body Shame in 2020. Sure. Um, in the middle of quarantine. And I, and then the book came out in 2021 and I got to share with, you know, all these women that your body is good. God made it on purpose. Um, here's, here's the ways you can live in freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then God started showing me summer 2021. Really, I mean, I, I, I even have like fresh memories of it at camp. Um, but God sh started to show me some of the ways that I had given up some of the autonomy and authority um, to meet with him and to experience him even in my own body by moving so fast and having such a full life. And it took about a year of really noticing how overextended I was and how mu how much I had lost the beautiful boundaries that he had given me um, by trying to be everything to everyone and trying to pretend as if everything was my is issue to solve. Um, and so from June 2021 to about June 2022, when I saw you last year, I was um, – I was kind of coming off of a mild breakdown um, beginning in like spring 2022. I started struggling with just debilitating anxiety, insomnia, um, and really just realizing like I'm, I am trying to be everyone's coach, everyone's problem solver. Um, I'm trying to use my body, my hands, my words, my everything to kind of like solve all these problems. And, and this is leaving me really burnt out. And so then that began a real exploration of what spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental rest could look like for me. Um, and that changed my life and and it did eventually turn into a book so I just finished that book and it comes out next spring but so the long answer for me is um for the rest of my life I want to be loving Nick Connolly and cheering on our four kids and for the rest of my life I want to be serving the global church and seeing the renewal that God is doing in the local church 
And for the rest of my life, I really want to be writing books and coaching women, but I want to be doing it at a much more sustainable pace so that I can see God, experience God, really, truly love God myself and love my life. And, you know, to the best of my ability, love this good, hard life, love the good parts of it and Uh, the hard parts. Amen. Amen. I, I could not agree more. A hundred percent. I wanted to ask you specifically about what you referenced is those those moments at camp. I just think the Conley family, yeah. your four incredible children, your amazing husband, Nick, and you are such assets, critical assets to our camp community. And at this mm-hmm. point, it's hard to imagine camp without you guys. I mean that. Y'all are... I hope you never have to. Well, I hope that too. For our sake, I hope that because you are truly the ethos of camp embodied is just um, oh my gosh. just a glorious servant-hearted leadership in the name of Jesus. And oh, it's just, it's so beautiful. I would love to hear you speak about the impact that camp is having on your children because... Yeah. I mean, I kind of have a theory that everybody in the world needs to get their teenagers to camp, to Hope Hills Camp. And I thought perhaps you could do a little advertising for me about that one, because it is true. Yeah, you do. You have to get your family to camp, and you have to get your teenagers to camp. And I'll I'll tell you what's changed my kids' lives and and my life, but then I also want to talk about something that I see in you guys at camp that's really served me a ton. But I think the biggest thing is um, if you're listening to this and you've never served at Hope Heals or you or you've never even thought about it, um, you're going to have this wave because this is what culture has told you that like, oh yes, we will go and we will serve people and we'll help them and it'll impact us so much because we'll we'll get to hear our people's hard stories. Yes. But what happens when you step into camp is this incredible culture that Jay and Catherine have set up where there's just blurred lines and you realize that everybody is very weak and everybody is very strong. Yes. And yes. nobody in camp are the are the weak people and nobody in camp is the strong people. We're all very weak and we're all very strong Yes, and we're all miracles and we're all a mess and we all need God and we all have brokenness. And for my kids for the rest of their life to see every human as that, um, to see every human as experiencing hardship and, and needing God's compassion and kindness and also to see every human as having dignity and strength and something to teach them and something to give them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's been the game changer. So I want to say that, but I want to tell you that what has changed the game for me, even in, in relation to this entire message is I think something about seeing you and Jay at camp that first year in 2021 is seeing the way you guys lead with extreme generosity while also caring for your marriage and your kids and your soul. I I know that at the end of camp, there's a level of exhaustion that nobody else can understand. So I, I, I don't pretend to think that you guys are just like, la-di-da, no big deal. Like you need to be put back together. Yeah. But even seeing the way you honor your own boundaries and borders, um, mm. it's next level leadership that people can't be taught. Um and it's so compelling and it's so beautiful. And I've seen you practice a generosity 
and a servant heartedness that can only be described as Christ-like. Mm. And I've also seen you walk in a dignity for your own self and your own body and your own needs that that has changed the way I view my body and, and the way I view my needs for the rest of my life too. Oh, Jess, that is so just powerful to to hear you say, because of course it feels like the opposite, like we are Mm. just not doing Mm -mm. it well, and we don't know what we're doing. We're not even camp people, I'll be honest. (laughs) None of the things, and yet I do, I must tell you, as I'm clearly on my journey to worthiness, feeling Mm. that way, is tell you that it is um, a calling that is being met. Um, I, I yeah. think I am living out um, a life that is worthy of this calling. Come and, on. Oh, and that's embarrassing to say out loud, but um, you've seen it. So you know that the Lord really yep. um, wired me for camp in a very unique way, in a way that is very, yeah. very beautiful. So I I'm very touched for you to say that because it is such a it is such a background thing I feel like to camp is what our leadership is like goodness and yet it's it's probably has a lot to do with what um we're able to bring because it's culture creating yeah. and um yeah and I own that and there's not an ounce of pride in that if anything there's a deep rich humility and knowing it's nothing Jay and I are consciously doing, but it is um, also a level of care. We feel that these weary souls, both the people coming to volunteer and the people coming as campers, um, need need something more than the life they're leading is giving. And we get to be a part of them seeing that. It's a thin place. Mm. It really is. It is a... It is. It would be probably the holiest place I've ever been in my entire life. And... um, I couldn't agree more. It's sacred. So I can never Mm -hmm. say thank you for the Conley family saying yes and yes and yes and just... And I wanted to just open it up if you had any words of wisdom, because I could talk to you for three hours, Mm. but that's annoying. Um, But I would love for you just to give you a moment to share any nugget of encouragement or truth with a listener who, let me tell Mm. you who I picture whenever I have to do this, and I'm putting you on the spot, and I'm sorry, but you're used to it. Um, I love it. The person probably... Maybe with um, a wheelchair on the inside or the outside of their body that is walking through pain and struggle and needing a reason to get out of bed tomorrow and feels like a major absence of hope, real hope in their story and needs to know somehow, some way that it's all going to be okay. And um, mm-hmm. when I say that, it's always with tears because, of course, I'm picturing so many yeah. sweet campers from our camp um, yeah. who perhaps can't read much or can't, yeah. you know, get many insights in more traditional ways we would, but they can listen to a podcast. 
and maybe yeah. some sweet lady in another part of the country might hear this and feel differently yeah. about her story, Jess. So what would you yeah. say to this lady? Well, you know what? I, I want to go back to even the first thing you asked me, Catherine, when you said what's good and what's hard. And I'm so inspired by that because one thing God has continually been showing me is that expressed emotion in any form is intimacy with God. And when life gets unbearable for me is when I stop telling him what's hard and when I stop acknowledging what's good. Hmm. Um, and so my encouragement would be those heartbreakingly impossible things right now. Um, if anyone needs the permission, I, it's not mine to give, but here's the encouragement to, to like scream it out with the Lord today, even if it's just in your mind. Why is this so hard? What are you doing? Yeah. Where are yeah. you? Can you help me? All of that um, is not a departure from spiritual maturity. That's expressed intimacy with God. Absolutely. And something sometimes about mm -hmm. just yeah. saying yeah. this is hard, yeah. you know, is yeah. is the like lifeline we need. And it is hope. Like that is how you teach right. us so much about this, but that is hope to be able to say to God, this is hard. There's, there's still a shred of hope there that even he's listening. Mm. Um, and then similarly, that we're the only ones who can take the authority in our own life to also live out Psalm 16, six and look down at our feet and say like, and this is what's good. This is what's good about my life that no one else can even see. I'm the only one who can acknowledge this and declare the parts that are good, that are holy, that are sacred. Um, and so I would just massively encourage somebody to answer that same question you asked me today. What's good and what's hard? Oh, my gosh. I'm having this memory I have to share that you shared years ago. Maybe it was Hope Heals Home in 2020. And you said, and I've quoted you 10,000 times, that in your first home, it was just terribly broken down and no plants would grow or something. And yeah. you you got some very um, profound advice to just start saying, you know what? Things grow here. and Things um, grow here. That's just a word on our bodies, yeah. over our homes, over our lives, is you know what? Come on. Things grow here. And I, I'm here. so inspired um, to say that for our friends mm -hmm. with disabilities. So like, good. There can be nothing that can grow or just terrible loss of any kind, but more yeah. pain and sadness. And there's nothing good here honestly, is what even mm. more the sentiment is. But how powerful to say, not only is it good there, things are growing there. That's yeah. just so, yeah. so in inspiring. It inspires me. And um, mm. thank just, you, God. That, that word, Jess, is just powerful. So um, thank you for saying that and letting me thus um, yeah. recount it 10,000 times. Anyway, this I'm has so been, grateful. oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. This has been just a deep blessing to my soul um, mm. to get to have these mm. moments to talk to you and just 
getting to look at you, getting to interface through the power of technology with um Thank you, God. With your with your gorgeous mane of hair and your <laughs> stunningly beautiful self. I'm trying very hard not to be envious as I daily um lose what little fine hair I have left. <laughs> Um, but it's you. okay. I'm trying to move beyond jealousy and competition and feel deeply convicted when you talk about not competing with your sister as a child. I mean, well, I don't think that's the norm, Jess, but I want to live like Jess Conley. Thank you for being so honest and teaching us. Um, it oh, was a you. gift to have this time with you. You are absolutely amazing. And I cannot wait for this summer at camp and for many more adventures in the future. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. I love you. Love Bless you, friend. you. I'll talk to you very soon, I hope. Thank you for joining us on the Good Hard Story Podcast. To learn more about what we are doing, follow us on Instagram at Hope Heals. Check out all things Hope Heals at HopeHeals.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this wherever you get podcasts. And please feel free to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Good Heart Story Podcast is a production of Good Heart Story, LLC. It is produced and edited by Leah Case and Mary Austin Hall. And I am your fearless and fabulous host, Katherine Wolf. Come back and join us every week where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. With you and for you, friends.